What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray, and we're back with another Sneaker Basics episode. I know you guys really enjoy these episodes, so I figured I'd bring back another one here. And today we're going to be talking about the elusive term grail, term that's thrown around quite a bit in the sneaker community interchangeably. It's gotten a lot looser over the years, and I figured I'd share my insights onto the the origin of the term grail in sneaker culture and how it's changed over the years with new technology, new platforms, and things of that nature in today's episode. But before we get to the bread and butter, make sure to follow Keeping Stock on your favorite podcast platform, uploaded every Sunday in 20 to 30 minute episodes. With all that being said, let's get into it. Sneaker culture is full of slang and specific terminology that only those in sneaker culture or community or enthusiasts would understand. Dead stock, near dead stock, quick strike, FNF, friends and family, and all those terms. And another term that gets thrown around quite a bit has been the term grail, which is usually used in connotation for shorthand of holy grail or the grail quest. And this has changed over time because when the term grail was first being utilized in sneaker culture in the 90s, early 2000s, before the volcanic eruption of what is today's sneaker culture, things were a lot different. You had to network. You had to go through all of the different channels to find certain sneakers. But now on Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, I feel that the term grail is often wrongly associated and swapped with other terminology or meanings. Once again, this is completely subjective to my opinion on what a grail is. It may be a little bit different for you, but this is where I believe a lot of sneaker enthusiasts and those in the culture align themselves with the term grail. And that term that's often swapped or associated with grail incorrectly is the term GOAT, right? Greatest of all time. I see tweets often saying, ah, the Concord 11s, that's the grail colorway. The bread one is the grail colorway. And when you get to understand the term grail throughout this episode, you'll see why that's a little misleading or incorrect. If you swap that with GOAT, the Concord 11s is the greatest Jordan colorway of all time. The bread one is the greatest Jordan colorway of all time. It makes more sense. But seeing when you use the term Concord 11s are the grail colorway, which I picked up from a tweet on Twitter, when you look at the data, I wouldn't consider them a grail to me personally in the fact that in August, at the very least, one pair sold every single day. Sizes are available in all sizes, all the way up to those large 17 and 18s. It's easy to find on StockX, eBay, Goat, Facebook Marketplace. Also, that Concord 11 that came out in 2018 has released before in the past. Maybe small variations, but it's come out before. It's easy to find. It's not hard work by any means. And so associating with a grail is a stretch of a connotation. And so how do we dial this back? Because I'm not saying the Concord 11 can't be your grail. I'm just saying in the connotation that it's very generally used, it doesn't necessarily fit in that category. And I don't want to sound like I'm gatekeeping. I 
at the end of the day, this is just my opinion, and I'd love to hear your opinions on it. It's just always been something that's tossed around in the community where I think it's just kind of being used for hype or to get reactions out of. When you look at the Oxford Language Dictionary definition of grail, they utilize that it was the cup used by Jesus at the Last Supper. Such an exclusive and rare item that knights went on quests to find it in the 13th century. There are stories associated that had special powers, gave you the quality of life, youth, and all these different crazy features if you found it. The second definition is that it's a thing that is being earnestly pursued or sought after. Something that is uphill climb you're continuing trying to find and trying to get. Where in this definition, I don't think if your grail is a very common sneaker, you're not constantly pursuing that because you can find it at any time as maybe something that is more exclusive or more memorable to you is harder to find and isn't popped up and on every single size on all selling platforms like flight club, stadium goods, etc. Or even Webster says it's something that is desired and very hard to obtain. The key terminologies there is very hard to obtain. And that's where I put the term grail to use for myself. It's something that is very, very hard to obtain. If I can simply go onto the internet and go to StockX, type it in, and my size is waiting and sitting there, that's not hard at all. The barrier may be a dollar figure that I'm not willing to pay. And that could factor in in some regards as well. But at the end of the day, it wasn't hard to obtain. I could just find it. If Indiana Jones could just go down to the local supermarket and find the Crystal Skull, it's not necessarily something that's tough to get or a grail in any regards. And I think a great way to look at it and visualize it is when you look at video games. And this might get a little bit nerdy for you, but if you ever played World of Warcraft, the item scale in terms of rarity goes poor items, common items, uncommon items, rare items, epic items, legend, and then artifacts in that scale. And that shows there's a huge variety in what could be considered a grail or highly exclusive. Doesn't mean because it's rare or epic, it's not a grail. But in my connotation, what's rare or epic still occurs more frequently and is easier to find than a potential artifact. Or if you play Fortnite, I've never played Fortnite, only played World of Warcraft when I was younger. But Fortnite, you have common, uncommon, rare, epic, and legend items. So I'm going to give you an example here and try to give you a better understanding of how I visualize personally what a grail is to me and potentially to more in the sneaker community. So you look at a common item, the Air Jordan 1 mid. You can go into any Foot Locker, Champs, Nike.com, and find an Air Jordan 1 mid in black or white. And that's a very broad approach to a Jordan 1 mid. If you get more specific with that type of mid, maybe it moves up to the next stage, an uncommon. And in this case, it's, for me, my example of an uncommon in this scenario is the Bloodline Air Jordan 1. You can't just go in and walk in to stores today and find that shoe on the shelves. You may in some locations, a little less likely than an Air Jordan 1, but it is easier to find on the internet at damn near retail price. So it's not easy 
to always get, but it's relatively easy work to find and makes it uncommon. Then you move up to a rare item. And we'll say in this example, we'll jump that gap pretty far and go to the Travis Scott ones. Those are gonna be a little bit more rare. And how did I base this? The Travis Scott ones in the month of August, going solely off of StockX and not other platforms, sold 180 pairs. It is likely that at least one of each size sold in the month of August for the Travis Scott one. However, the barrier may be that it's the price range, right? Compared to the Bloodline Air Jordan ones that sold over 1,200 pairs on StockX in the month of August, you can see the quantity and how limited they are start to play a factor. And then we move into the epic range, right? So we've gone common, uncommon, rare, epic being the off-white Chicago one. And you can see the Chicago one released a few years ago at this point, and it's only sold four pairs in the month of August, drastically down from the Travis Scott ones, drastically down from the Bloodline Air Jordan ones. A little bit harder to find. Only four pairs sold. That means the potential is that a lot of those sizes weren't up and you weren't able to find. Maybe it wasn't on eBay. Maybe it wasn't on stadium goods. Maybe it wasn't at your local consignment shop. It becomes harder to find. However, it still is pretty accessible. You don't have to do an extreme amount of work to find that shoe. But now we get into the legend, the grail. And this is once again where my definition lies to me personally. The game-worn 1985 Air Jordan 1 autographed by the man himself. In this case, this is a one-of-one sneaker. You aren't going to be able to find that shoe on StockX in a variety of sizes. You aren't going to be able to check eBay for that. You aren't going to be finding that in a local Facebook group. You'd have to pursue this very frequently to find any leads that might get you one step closer. And that's why this shoe sold for $600,000 after The Last Dance aired. That is a grail. That is a part of sneaker history. But one thing I want to make clear here is that a grail doesn't have to be a one-of-one item. It doesn't have to be an item that is hundreds of thousands of dollars. And also, what's uncommon now may be a grail in 20 years. We look at the Air Jordan 1 from 1985 and the prices those are fetching. Kids were buying those. Those were readily available. They were uncommon, but they were available in 1985 and people bought them and people were wearing them frequently, which happens in a lot of sneakers today. I've owned all of the original LeBrons throughout my lifetime in basketball career. I've owned all of the original Kobe's, but all of those I tore up playing basketball. Absolutely unwearable, but maybe in 20 years, a documentary comes out about Kobe, a documentary comes out about LeBron, and those prices skyrocket. That common item is now worth a substantial amount more that I had that I tore up. So that's another thing you have to consider in this grail status. You could potentially own your grail right now. It could be your favorite shoe and you own it now and you get rid of it. And then you realize once you've gotten rid of it, that that was your grail. That's what you wanted. And then you go back to look to find that shoe and you can't find it. In addition, price doesn't factor in grail status. I think that's a big misconception that, oh, the shoe is $40,000. It's my grail. The undefeated fours are a grail. Are they your grail because they're $40,000? 
or they your grail because you have a memory associated with them? Is there something else that reminds you of them? What is it making it your grail? Because that personal connection is the biggest value to making it your grail. And that's why I say this is subjective. As I'm saying, you know, super common shoes, in my opinion, aren't grails. It's just a barrier to entry with that price point. But it still could be your most sought after sneaker. However, I want to caution that, in my opinion, grails shouldn't be interchanged with your most wanted or your current most wanted. If your grail is the Travis Scott 1s this year, and then next year it's the Travis Scott 4s, or it's a certain Yeezy, or it's a 750, and it's things that are just hype in the moment, is it truly your grail, or is it just something you really desire at that point in time? The grail thing is all, it's just a term, it's all slang, it's informal, it's all about how you perceive it. I mean, you could look at examples of, there's a ton of grails that people want that they'll never get, not because it's highly limited or super expensive or damn near impractical to find or wear, but maybe it's not produced anymore. Your grail could simply be the mythic quest to find something very similar or wait till Nike retros it. Your grail could be the LeBron 25.5 if you remember that silhouette. Nowhere near super expensive, highly sought after, was very common back then. They haven't produced it. Say you're looking for your size 11 and a half and you can't find it on the internet. That could be your grail. That could be your search that you're commonly looking for because that shoe is associated with your first basketball game ever, your first dunk, your, you know, it could be a shoe that you wore to prom or a shoe you wore in your wedding. That could be your grail. There's really no limitations. I think it's just making sure that when you're utilizing the term that it means something to you, that it means something to value, something that you're always looking after. And you could have multiple grails of the same model, right? You could have a 2004 release, a 2008 release, 2012 and 2016, just because that was your mom's favorite shoe uh, and you couldn't afford it as a kid. That could be the grail. In my case, what's my grail? The Watch the Throne LeBron 9. I've looked for this shoe for the past four or five years once I started having a steady income. It's never sold on StockX in the size that I would want it in, a 12 and a half, which is rare in itself, right? I could go for a 12 or I could go for a 13, but if I'm going to spend that type of money on a shoe or sell 10 sneakers to get it, I want to make sure that it's the perfect size for me. I want to make sure that I can wear it, in my case, for my grail. I've only ever seen LeBron in the Watch the Throne LeBron 9. I've only seen Wale and the producer Hitboy of that album have the shoes. I mean, it's so rare that someone of the likes of PJ Tucker, love him or hate him, he can't even find it. And he has just about damn near every sample or connection you could think of to wear. To me, that shoe is very pivotal to my basketball career, very pivotal to my music choice, where I was at in life, and all these different factors that factor in to make that shoe my grail. And so at the end of the day, when you consider your grail, just think about what it means to you. And that's all that really matters, right? My whole spiel here on what a grail means to me could be completely different for what it means to you. But just make sure, I think at the end of the day, the issue that I had seeing the term grail being thrown around is it just not connecting or you know, someone saying, oh, I have 50 different grails, which I'm not going to be mad at, but it's 
are those your 50 different grails because they have that personal connection or is it because it's just hype and it's something you want because at the end of the day problem with misassociation and swapping it out is it can really water it down for the culture or water it down for those who are searching for their grails and those grails can be whatever they want like i said some fun grails i've seen in the past obviously the air mags those are sweet I saw an excellent story. Someone tweeted a thread about why they loved them. They never have their hands on them. But where they were at when they saw Back to the Future, when they saw the hoverboard, their parents taking them to the theater. And since then, they've bought all mag-inspired colorways, but they're still after getting their hands on actual Nike Air Mag. It could be the 1985 Metallic One Pack. Shout out to Dunks or Nice on Instagram and Twitter. He's collected some of the, that pack from 1985, those originals. Not necessarily wearable, but an excellent story in sneaker history, a pivotal time in sneakers and what it is today to have some original sneakers from 85. It could be the Paris Dunks, or it could be something absurd like the Batman Jordan 6 made for Batman himself, right? Grails can be all over the place. They can be obtainable. They can be unobtainable. They can be mythic. It's always a fun thing to go on your grail quest. And I think at the end of the day, just have fun with it. Let me know what your guys' grails are. If you've been able to get your hands on them, if you've located a pair and they fell out of your reach, or maybe just by letting me know, I may know a lead on how to find your grails or point you in the right direction to help you complete that journey. We're going to take a quick break and hop into cool content. If you like what you've heard so far, make sure to follow us on social media, Instagram at keeping stock and Twitter at keeping underscore stock. Further, social media is always found in the show notes and other cool things that are going on with the Keeping Stock podcast. But the best place to find that is going to be following us on Instagram and Twitter. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. This week for cool content, I thought it was very fascinating to see Damian Lillard reveal his Lillard 7. Congrats to him on seven silhouettes in 2K21. I don't play 2K, never really been interested. A lot of people say, why don't you play 2K? You played basketball in high school and college. Just not for me. I think I like the game of basketball physically playing. I'm not very into the mechanics and the game itself and how people are get so into it and think they're legitimate on the basketball court because they're good at 2k which always is an interesting thing but that aside i think what lillard did here was the next step in the right direction if you remember having ryan mullins on the show you can go check out our conversation that links in the show notes founder of aglet but he talked about the digital world and what that means to sneakers and think about it lillard revealed the seven in here in a specific colorway what if lillard would have revealed his seventh silhouette in three different colorways. And then based on the data from NBA 2K, the most picked colorway is the first one to release. And then those users in 2K get an opportunity to pick up that shoe early, just like we get with Nike and their 2K releases. But that's after the models come out. Lillard 7's revealed. You get a black, a red, and a white colorway. The NBA 2K world decides which ones they like. And Adidas releases that one first, giving the consumers the power to feel, hey, I made the decision to pick these ones. And then I also was rewarded with the opportunity to purchase them early. And if you want to expand on that further, which I think is crazy, is what if Lillard would have revealed three different silhouettes for the seven? 
ahead of time. You had a, a mid, you had a low, and you had a high. However, based on what the 2K data showed and what people were interested in purchasing, that's the model that gets designed. Sure, Lillard could wear a high, a low, and a mid. I mean, it's his shoe. But to consumer popularity, maybe that helps Adidas shift their focus in production to everyone chose the mid here. No one picked the high and then some picked the low. We probably won't produce the high. Maybe we'll do some cool colorways in the low and then the rest will be in the mid. That gives you a ton of data there to consume and understand how people are interacting or if they like your shoe. The downside is no one buys it, no one wants it, then it's a wasted example. However, I think the power is there to scale with the digital front. As I talked about in one of my first episodes, how esports is the next frontier for sneakers. We're seeing that already with the League of Legends World Championship Air Jordan 1 Zoom that is may come out to the public, but to those players. That scale in gaming is growing and growing faster than ever. And so maybe that's how we start seeing some more input and decisions made from the consumer side. And I thought that was just a really cool implementation of sneakers, tech, and the basketball culture all intermingled to one. That's going to do it this week, you guys. I'm sorry, no upcoming releases, because at the time I am releasing this podcast, I'm out of office. I don't want to give you guys the wrong release dates or mix those up. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode talking about the sneaker basics and what a grail is or what it could be. Would love to hear what your opinions are on that conversation, if grails being used correctly, incorrectly, if it doesn't matter, or what your grails are. On the other note, let me know what you think about NBA 2K21. Whether it is, is 2K getting boring, or is there a lot of opportunities for sneakers in there to be implemented in the real world? As always, I appreciate your guys' time. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll catch you next week.